and eventually it starts, and then that pretty much means everybody's looking this way, we're going this direction, and you're thinking, why does he have a towel? And if you've been here in the last five years at the KPRZ Pastors Appreciation Lunch, which is our way of saying thank you, if you've been here for five years and you see me host this at all, I sweat so much. And it's like, this is why. So it's not quite as bad. A couple things I want to do. First and foremost, say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work, for the time, for the prayers, the people that you serve, the people that you connect to, the people that you encourage. They cannot express to you on this planet how much you mean to them or how much you've done for them. But God knows every millisecond of effort, time, sweat, prayers, knees burned from the rug, everything. So thank you. That's first and foremost. A round of applause for each other for just doing the kingdom, right? Come on. All right, a couple things that we got rolling. Of course, we are ecstatic to have Dr. Jeffress with us, who's going to be speaking. And I've heard Dr. Jeffress multiple times, and every time I'm like, wow, that was really good. Wow, I'm stealing that. That's really good material. Wow, because it's great material. So I want you to get ready, because when he does speak, I promise you, it's going to have a major impact. But here's the funny story I do want to tell you. And that is the last time I came to Pastor Troy's church, it was our meeting that we were supposed to have, and I got lost. And I was 15 minutes late, so I picked up Dr. Jeffress, and I'm driving him, and I'm already having just the morning from not heaven, and I'm driving, and I'm like, don't worry, I got lost the last time I went to this church, shouldn't be that big a deal, and I push the thing on my Google phone, and it goes, make a U-turn, and I'm like, wow. I got lost already. It was unbelievable. All right. So anyway, we're glad that you're here safe, and we're glad that you're going to get a chance to talk to us. All right. I want to talk to you about something that you need to understand when you encounter other people. People will often say to you, what do you do? What do you do? Now, if you were Jewish, any other... What? What? You're all Gentiles? Oh, okay, I got one. Thank you. Thank you. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Okay. In our neighborhood, your mother would say, are you a doctor, a lawyer, or a disappointment? <laughs> you know, it's going to be one of those. But when people ask you what you do, man, you do a lot, right? There's a lot of different things. You can take a lot of different titles on things that you do. But sometimes it's hard to explain what it is you do. Sometimes it's hard to kind of give the full definition. So listen to this definition of what we do. Uh, when people ask me, Jay John, what do you do? It's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to someone that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up images in people's minds as to what I might be like. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. 
I sat next to this lady at Heathrow Airport in London, and I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello. I said, where are you going? She says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. I said, we've got, we've got, I said, we've got hospitals, hostels, hospices, homeless shelters, we've got orphanages, we've got feeding programs, we do marriage work, we do educational work, we do reconciliation work, we do justice work. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioural alteration. She went, wow! The, the wow was so loud, people all turned and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. Have you heard of it? Called the church. Have you heard of it? <laughs> awesome. Okay, a couple of things I want to go over that are really important. I'm going to use my glasses to do this. We want to talk about the sponsors because this material that you're engaging with, this is in a desire to give back and a desire to be a gift to everybody who's in this room. And we do our best in that. And with us in doing that are these partners City View Church. The French Gourmet Restaurant, Bakery and Catering, San Diego Christian College, Church Design and Construction, Mount Miguel Covenant Village, Caps Pregnancy Clinics, San Diego Gas and Electric, Whitefields Ministries, and San Diego Rescue Mission all participated in making this possible for you. So again, maybe a round of applause and appreciation. All right, I do want to tell you about some of the prizes. Doing our prizes a little different this year. If you've been around, you'll notice that we'll do prizes and then people will run back and forth. And it kind of gets a little intense because, oh, where's this person? Where's this person? And people are running all around. It seems a little strange. So this year, you're going to be able to get your prize if you win the prize by going to the KPRZ tent outside and pick up the prize. I don't know who came up with that idea, but it's genius. I'm just going to give you a, a lot of props for it. Some of the different uh, prizes and some of the things to tell you. Winners must be present. So if you want to get that $10,000 check, one, you're in the wrong building. Uh, prizes range from restaurant gift certificates to the French Gourmet and Richard Walker's Pancake House. You got the DVD set, study Bible groups, and group study kits from Dr. Jeffress' Pathway to Victory, which is an excellent, excellent series, excellent material. Uh, we have a, an event passes to marriage conferences. Someone's going to win a grand prize worth $500 for a registration and hotel stay in La the Hyatt Regency La Jolla. Hello. With Family Life's Weekend to Remember, it'll be for November 17th through the 19th. So some pretty cool prizes. It's like, yeah, all right, awesome. Plus food. That's it. 
food. Come on, you got to get there. All right, let me introduce at this point Pastor Troy Singletary, a man who's got a unbelievable testimony. He's going to pray and bless the food and bless the rest of the event. Pastor Troy, come on up. Well, it's an honor and privilege to be with y'all this beautiful day here in San Diego. And of course, y'all, that's a little bit of the Texan in me. And uh, we're so thankful that y'all are here with us. And let's give KPRZ a hand for putting this on, this amazing event, which we appreciate. Now, pastors do amazing things, you know, when it comes to reaching people, building people, influencing people. And speaking of people, pastors, I heard a funny story about a gentleman named Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson was a businessman from Wisconsin, and he went on a business trip to Louisiana. Unfortunately, he went during the hot and humid season of that time. But as he arrived, he decided, you know, I need to send an email to my wife, Mrs. Johnson, Jennifer, letting her know that he arrived safely. Unfortunately, he forgot his wife's email address. I hope that's never happened to you. So in sending an email, he sent it to another Mrs. Johnson. As a matter of fact, this Mrs. Johnson was from New Jersey, and she was the wife of a preacher whose husband, unfortunately, just passed away the day before. The preacher's wife opened up her email and, and took one look at the email and promptly fainted in that moment. Her daughter heard the, the, the noise of what was taking place and went over to, to resuscitate her mom and get her mom up and alive and going. And her mom just pointed at the, email, at the computer and at this email to her daughter. And as she looked at the, the email, this daughter decided to read it and said this. It was from her husband. It said, hi, honey. I missed you so much, but I wanted to let you know that I've arrived here safely. But I got to tell you one thing, boy, it sure is hot down here. <laughs> Blessings, your husband, Reverend Johnson. Well, we got a little bit of taste of that here this morning here in San Diego. But as we gather here today to pray, we want to continue to pray for the pace setters that are in this room. And for God, that God wants to use in us and through us and the churches that we oversee. Would you stand with me at this time and let us pray? And would you join me in prayer and participate with me in prayer as well? that we would not only pray for our time together, but for the heroes that are in this room that we call our brothers and sisters in Christ who are pastors. Jesus, in a room like this, our thoughts and our prayers and our condolences go out to the family and friends of those tragically killed and injured in Las Vegas on Sunday evening. We thank you for the first responders and we pray for continued wisdom and discernment for the authorities as they piece the puzzles of this tragic scene. And we pray, Jesus, that you will use your church to continue to rise up and administer love and peace and comfort as they minister to the people and pray for those affected by this horrific event. And now for this wonderful Pastor's Appreciation Luncheon today, Father, we thank you for KPRZ, for putting on this wonderful event as we affirm and we appreciate and we inspire these amazing leaders, these amazing teachers. Thank you for the men and women who not only pastor these great churches in San Diego County, but we also pray for their families, their churches and the neighborhoods they minister to. I pray that you will continue to give them passion and anointing and perseverance to the call that you've placed on these pastors and leaders. God, I pray that they would not be weary and well-doing in the name of Jesus. Give us all continued wisdom and insight and understanding where you've placed us. I pray for our pastors to remain bold and courageous as they stand up for biblical truth in a culture that has become anti-God, anti-Bible at times. Give these men and women the time they need to prepare impactful and insightful messages for your word. Continue to give them boldness and fire as they preach the truth of your word surrounded with love, O oh God. Father, I ask your blessing upon our pastors that you would strengthen them in their bodies and give them rest when needed. Remind 
behind these men and women of God that you hold their lives, you hold their families, you hold their ministries, you hold their churches in your hands. And we prayed for continued provision, for joy, and that all that they need that for themselves or for their families or for their churches that they minister to, that you would remind them of that blessed assurance that all that they need, your hand has already provided because great is your faithfulness. God, keep us humble. Keep us committed to the call you've placed in our lives. And may these servants of your kingdom, Jesus, feel loved, feel valued, and appreciated as we've gathered here today. Remind us, Holy Spirit, most importantly, that we need each other. So build relationships this morning, oh God. Friendships and partnerships and mentorship and accountability and prayer partners as we fellowship with one another. Bless the food that's been prepared, the message we'll receive from from uh, doctor this morning and the fellowship that we'll have around this room. In the name that is above all names, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen. Can we give him praise this evening, this morning? God bless you. Okay, here you go. Eat. Uh, a couple things I just want to mention first. Those people that do not know, my name is not actually KPRZ. It is David Spoon from the David Spoon Experience. Some people are like, is his name KPRZ? No, it is not. Uh, I want to introduce you to Steve Brodsky. And you guys, I'm going to make this really kind of a simple way that you would get this. When you first meet somebody, how they kind of engage with you that it counts it has an impact that I mean it means something so you can tell when people are standoffish you know and they got the body language that pulls back you can tell when somebody's visiting your church and they're you know like a little bit you know like defensive you can tell when they're a little bit more forward Steve walks in it was essentially the other day he had visited once before but there was no way to really know what's going on he walks in the door and he goes hey man how's it going and it's like what? What? And it's like he was, and I haven't even had a chance to talk to him. I already feel like I can talk to him about whatever, which is like that's the kind of spirit that you want, not just as a general manager for the stations. Well, okay, for the station, KPRZ, but you want that as somebody to work with in the community to advance the gospel as a partner with you. The idea of KPRZ is not to be a separate church, it's to be a support for the churches. And that's what his goal and his passion is. So I want you to give a round of applause for Steve Brodsky. He's going to come up and say hi to you. Hello, everybody. How was lunch? It was good? Good. I got to tell you, I am so glad to be here. And, and let me tell you, by the way, also, uh, you're going to hear a few y'alls and a few other things that are a little different. I'm actually from Georgia. And, uh, and I spent a lot of time in Texas, too, so you'll have to forgive me. And if you need an interpreter, just raise your hand, and I will, I'll try to interpret what I said. Um, but I am really excited to be here. Uh, the, uh, uh, i, I got to tell you, K-Praise is a wonderful station, and uh, I've been here now. This is my, this is my second week uh, that I've been back and forth. Um, I was up with Terry, and you'll hear from Terry here in a few minutes. I was up with Terry uh, in Los Angeles. And um, we, are, uh, we are so excited to be a part of the San Diego community. And uh, I'm moving down here and my family and, and uh, looking for a church home. And uh, so that, that ought to set off some fire here. Have we? <laughs> um, but uh, I'm ex- we're, we're really excited to be here. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to tell you, first of all, uh, if, you, if you work, I wanted to introduce you for a second to my Salem, San Diego team. If you, if you're Salem, San Diego team, stand up for just a second. 
Uh, everybody, this is our Salem San Diego team. And, and if you need anything today, if you need anything tomorrow or anytime, please introduce yourself and they'll try to find you and, and introduce yourself to them and, and anything you need from us, please reach out. Because like David said earlier, we want to be a support mechanism for you. And uh, we know, I'm excited to be here and I know that, I know the job that you do and it's a beautiful job. And I know that a lot of times you don't get thanked for, for what you do, maybe lack of chaos and just happiness in your, in your congregation, your flock is, is, is your thanks. But I, we want to thank you for what you do. And that's the reason that we do these events. And, uh, and so, so thank you so much. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, to also, uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, as, as you come to these type of events, we want to salute you and celebrate you. And we wanted to tell you, we know that you counsel others every day and, uh, and, and we appreciate you. We wanted to give you some celebration. So give yourself a hand. We, we, we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I, on, in, your, in your bag that you got, uh, you'll see this. One of the, one of the really neat things about, about Salem, uh, media is that we do a lot of different things. And one of the things that we do is we have a division that has a lot of ministry resources. And some of you may use these a lot, and some of you may not be familiar with this. But if you look on this piece, it's at SalemChurchProducts.com or PastorDeals.com. You can find all kind of ministry resources that you can use and different, uh, different members of your staff might be able to use uh, worship leaders uh, to, you know, sermons and uh, all kind of things on here that will help you in your work day to day. So we, so please reach out, look at this. And if you need any help with this, give us a call. We'll gl be glad to talk to you. Um, I also wanted to remind you, uh, Pastor Troy here and, 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 and Tony have of wardrobes and rings and other things being presented here on Saturday, October 21st. It's right here at the City View Church. And if you're interested in coming, you can go to kpraise.com and buy tickets. Uh, or I think you can buy tickets here at the door, right? Right, Pastor Troy, is that right? Tony, is that right? Okay, good. So come to that. Um, and also, we're gonna, for those of you that golf, we're going to have the 8th Annual Pastors Masters next spring. Uh, it's going, and it's going to be in May. We're going to be giving away tickets uh, to wardrobes and rings and other things and and some other things and giving away prizes here in just a little while so stay tuned for that but we want you to be a part of the pastor's masters um, next spring I, I wanted to introduce uh, a member of our staff here to say just a couple words so you get to know him uh, his name is Rick Bender uh, Rick's a new member of uh, Salem San Diego uh, you, you may or may not have met him but Rick was Rick's been with us here since the early part of the summer uh, before that, Rick was with uh, our Salem-Denver properties for seven or eight years. So he's been with Salem quite a while. Um, and, and, and even more interesting than that probably is that Rick was a pastor here in Southern California for 20-plus years. Um, so uh, I want you to – so, Rick, where are you here? Come on, come on up. As Rick wants to say a few words to you, and, and, uh, and, and, we'll, and I'll be back in just one second. Believe it or not, I'll be brief. Yeah, that's the joke, right? Right. I got one thing to say to you. You know how we always tell our congregation, 
to meet a new friend. Meet a new friend today. There's some great people here. How lovely and wonderful it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Have a blessed time. Thank you so much for being here. Meet a new friend. That's your assignment on the way out. God bless you. Thanks. Look forward to meeting you. Thank you, Rick. I, I, I want to introduce you to, uh, to he's my boss. Uh, his name is Terry Fay, and uh, Terry lives up in Los Angeles. And uh, Terry, Terry runs the West Coast for Salem. He's the regional VP uh, and, and ops, uh, ops uh, general manager for the company out here for Salem Media Group. And uh, I've known Terry here for, for a number of years. And uh, he, is, uh, he and I are both very excited about being involved with Salem San Diego. So, Terry, if you want to come on up, let's give Terry a big hand. You guys have all been sitting for a bit. Let's stand up. Um, we can't have a room of pastors gather together without worshiping a little bit. So if you'll uh, indulge me, I'm going to lead us in, in just a couple choruses because I think that as much as we love K-Praise and we want to give God the glory for K-Praise, we really want to give God the glory, do we not? Amen. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all the world shall sing. How great is our God. Let's sing again. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all the world will sing. How great is our God. It's the name above all names. And you are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all the worlds will sing how great is our God. Amen. You can be seated. At these pastors' events, we only have two agendas. We want to honor God, and we want to honor God's shepherds. We trust you're being encouraged today in that holy calling to shepherd the flock of God among us. Amen? Our guest speaker, Robert Jeffress, has said, the church is the only hope for the preservation of America for the proclamation of the gospel. And the key to the church fulfilling its mission are fruitful pastors. So fruitful pastors are healthy pastors, and they beget healthy and impactful churches, which begets 
spiritual transformation in our cities to the glory of God. And that's what today is about, to encourage you to encourage your congregations to uh, bring new birth and new life to our city here in San Diego. In most effective wars, the offensive begins in the air. You send in the bombers, you send in the drones to soften up the target before you send in the ground troops. So too in spiritual warfare. We see our role at Salem Media Group with radio, internet, and digital media as the air offensive with prayer to soften people's hearts with the word of God. But the war is never won without ground troops. That is the local church. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. Only in the local church can discipleship happen. When God takes a city, he never does it with a radio station. He always does it through the local church. So we see our role at Cape Praise as coming alongside you and the local church to help them in this vital work of discipleship. There's a couple ways we come alongside. You've already heard about it a little bit. Um, we can broadcast your messages. Um, we can podcast your messages. Uh, we host events like this, and we have all those pro uh, products that Steve was mentioning, the Salem Church products, Sermon Search, uh, Worship Leader uh, tools, and, th and those kinds of things. And it's our privilege, really, to co-labor with you in, in God's vineyard. That's what we see ourselves, is coming alongside the vital work that you do. Now, it's my honor to introduce today's speaker, it's been said that courage is not the absence of fear, rather the ability to take action in the face of fear. It takes courage to think alone, to resist alone, to stand alone, especially when the crowd seems so safe and so right. When I think about Dr. Robert Jeffress, I think of courage. Courage to go where few Christian leaders go today, right into the heart of mainstream media. Over 2,000 radio and television appearances, including our good friend Bill Maher and Good Morning America, as well as numerous cable shows. Uh, Tuesday night, there he was on Fox News answering the very, very tough question, where is God when there's a massacre in Las Vegas? And Dr. Jeffress, you handled that so well. And there was, there was no sugarcoating of that message. And of course, that's what he's known for the courage to speak biblical truth plainly to secular media, whether on Islam, Mormonism, or gay marriage. But above all, courage to preach the gospel clearly as demonstrated in his pulpit ministry at First Baptist Dallas and in his radio and television ministry, Pathway to Victory, and most notably in his recent book, Not All Roads Lead to Heaven. How's that for politically incorrect? Would you join me in welcoming to K-Praise Pastor Appreciation Lunch, Pastor Robert Jeffress. Now, if you were to go into the studios, the offices of K-Praise, on the wall, right when you walk in, is this wonderful wall, which we call the Hall of Faith. And I'm going to read you a plaque that we're going to be giving, and then we're going to get one to you that for, to take and then one that we're going to put on the wall there. And this is what it says. For years of faithful service to the body of Christ in San Diego and throughout the world, K-Praise is honored to announce Dr. Robert Jeffress is hereby inducted into the K-Praise Hall of Faith this fifth day of October, 2017. Would you welcome Dr. Robert Jeffers? Thank you. I'm Thank you so much. 
Well, thank you so much, Terry. I'm going to put this down if I can for just a moment. Thank you so much, Terry and Steve and David and all the team at KPraise. I can tell you from being associated with Salem for a number of years now, Salem and KPraise specifically, they care about pastors. They are here not to replace the local church, but to amplify the local church. And I thank KPraise for the partnership we have here in San Diego with Pathway to Victory. I also want to thank Pastor Troy and his great staff for hosting us. Let's join together in thanking them for just a great job that they've done. All of us have mentors in life, don't we? People who've made an indelible impact on our lives. And I know that's true for me. God has placed uh, some great uh, men in my life who have shaped my life. And probably at the top of the list is one man in particular. Uh, whether you're listening to Tony Evans or David Jeremiah, Chuck Swindoll or me, uh, what we share in common is not only that we're on K-Praise and that we're friends, but we all had the same mentor. Every one of us would say the one man who made an indelible mark on our life was the late Dr. Howard Hendricks, the professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. And, um, you know, Prof. Hendricks was not only my friend and my professor, but he really shaped my life. And I'll never forget, I was just fresh out of Dallas Seminary when Dr. Hendricks invited me to join him and his wife, Jean, to go to a pastor's conference in Portland where Prof and another one of his up-and-coming students was going to deliver uh, a message. And that uh, up-and-coming student was Chuck Swindoll. This was before Chuck made it into the big time. People were just starting to talk about him nationally. And I remember being at that pastor's conference with Prof Hendricks and Chuck Swindoll, and one Saturday afternoon listening to Chuck deliver a message to pastors. And the message was on the four landmines of ministry. Honestly, I cannot tell you one thing he said as far as scripture references, application, but I've never forgotten the outline of that message. Because Chuck used a capital S to identify the four landmines of ministry that all begin with an S. And 35 plus years later, I can tell you with even more certainty that these landmines are real. And if you don't recognize them and flee from them, you would be destroyed by them. And so today, taking that outline and adding my own experience and understanding of God's Word, I'd like to share with you today the four landmines of ministry that if you don't recognize them and run from them, you will be destroyed by them. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, I hope you'll write these down. They all begin with an X, S. The first landmine to avoid is silver. Now by that, we're talking about money. I have three friends who used to be in ministry. They are no longer in ministry. They all had to leave because of scandals involving money. Now, understand, each of these men was earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And yet, for the promise of just a few thousand dollars more, they fell into sin 
and destroyed their witness for Christ. Why would anybody make such a foolish choice to give up hundreds of thousands of dollars for just a few thousand dollars more? Well, Paul explained that in 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. When he was writing to his own mentoree, Timothy, he said, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. He talked about people falling into a snare. That word snare means a trap set for an animal. And notice what the bait is that causes many people and many pastors to fall into that trap. The enticement is money. The love of money. And no wonder Paul says one of the qualifications for a pastor in 1 Timothy 3 is we have to be free from the love of money. You know, sometimes the enticement of money will lead you into blatant dishonesty, padding the expense account or embezzling funds. But usually the enticement is much more subtle for pastors when it comes to money. The desire for a little extra income on the side causes you to neglect your primary responsibility in the church. Or your desire to continue receiving gifts from a wealthy member causes you to make decisions that are not best for your congregation. Or the desire for a higher salary at another place of ministry causes you to go to a place that you are not gifted or suited to minister in. How do you prevent the love of money from luring you into sin or simply from making unwise decisions? I want to encourage you to remember three realities about money that come straight from the Word of God. First of all, understand that no one ever feels like they have enough money. Nobody ever feels like they have enough. Uh, Solomon, the wealthiest man of his day, said in Ecclesiastes 5.10, Whoever loves money never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. That's Ecclesiastes 5.10. Haven't you experienced that? Doesn't matter how much you have, you never feel like it's enough. I remember my first assignment in ministry, my first job in ministry was as a youth minister. I served as youth minister in the church I now pastor, First Baptist Church, Dallas. It was 1978. I will never forget, after I received the telephone call from the personnel chairman, going in to my wife, Amy, she was in the bedroom, I said, Amy, you are not going to believe this. They are going to pay us $9,600 a year. What are we going to do with all of that money? I mean, we really wonder, what would you do with $9,600 a year? Trust me, we found something to do with it. We always find something to do with it. Think children and grandchildren. We've got triplets on the way uh, coming right now. There's always enough uh, expenses to consume the income you have. So remember, nobody ever uh, feels like they have enough money. Secondly, remember, there's always going to be somebody who has more money than you do. There's always going to be somebody. I mean, think about 
the men and women on the Forbes 400 list, do you realize 399 of them are jealous or somebody else? Or somebody who has more than they do. And that's just human nature. We always focus on the few who have more than we do rather than being grateful for what God has given us. And thirdly, remember, money can destroy our lives, Solomon said. In Ecclesiastes 5.3, Solomon says, There is a grievous evil which I saw under the sun, riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. How can money hurt us? Well, the scripture says, first of all, money can rob us of our present joy in life. Do you all know people who are always saving money, hoarding money for a rainy day in the future instead of enjoying the sunshine of the present? You know, I think about the story of Hetty Green. She is known as America's greatest miser. She was a widow who died in 1916, and when she died, she left an estate valued at $100 million. That's a lot of money today. That was a lot of money in 1916. And yet, even though she hoarded this big stockpile of money, she ate her oatmeal cold every morning because she didn't want to pay to heat the water. When her son had a serious injury uh, with, her, with his leg, uh, she didn't want to pay for medical services, so she run away, went around looking for a free clinic to take him to. She waited so long that infection set into the leg and his leg had to be amputated. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Solomon is talking about. Riches being hoarded until they hurt a person. Money can rob us of our present joy, but secondly, money can rob us of eternal life. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into heaven. What he's saying is there's something unique about money's ability to strangle out spiritual life in our heart. That's true whether we're an unbeliever. It's true for Christians as well. There's something unique about the love of money that can absolutely destroy spiritual progress in our life. That's why Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. He didn't say you can't serve God in sports or God in sex. Those are idols too, but there's something unique about money. You know, I think it's that ability of money to destroy our spiritual life that caused John Wesley to once say, money never stays with me. It would burn me if it did. I throw it out of my hands as soon as possible, lest it should find my way, find its way into my heart. He told everyone around him that if at his death he had more than 10 pounds, that'd be about $20 today, if he had more than 10 pounds to his name, people had the privilege of calling him a robber. That's why he gave away everything. He didn't want to let money strangle out his love for God. You know, I'm talking about mentors. I remember another mentor I had, great man of God. But I remember hearing him make a very frank confession. He said, money has overtaken my life. I think about it all the time. When I pray, I'm thinking about money. When I'm studying the Bible, I'm thinking about money. When I'm preaching, I'm thinking about money. It has overtaken my life. That's why Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. 
The second landmine of ministry that will destroy any ministry you have for God is sloth, S-L-O-T-H. What I'm talking about is laziness. Laziness will destroy your ministry. Not long ago, one of our Pathway to Victory viewers in Georgia sent me an email. And she said, this is just unbelievable, she said, my husband and I watch you on Saturday nights uh, on Pathway to Victory. Imagine our surprise one Sunday morning after watching you Saturday night. We sat down in church and listened to our pastor preach your message word for word. And not only that, he handed out an outline that was the outline we had received on Pathway to Victory. Now, understand, I couldn't care less about that. I have no problem with that, you know. Um, what is it Spurgeon said? Uh, all originality and no uh, plagiarism makes for dull preaching. I don't know, you know, that's... <laughs> But he didn't give any credit for it. And that diminished him tremendously, that pastor, in his listeners and his parishioners' eyes. What would cause a pastor to do that? What motivates people to do that? In a sense, it's laziness. And Proverbs 18 verse 9 says, He also who is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. You know, Solomon actually had a great deal to say about laziness and slothfulness and the way it destroys our lives. In Proverbs 19.24, he said, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it to his mouth. Now just imagine, let me illustrate what Solomon is saying. Just imagine you're walking down the street here in San Diego and you see a homeless person and you feel sorry for him and so... You invite him to be your guest at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Now, I know you've got that here in San Diego. Down, is it still down by the airport, uh, Ruth's Chris? Just imagine you say, I want you to come be my guest at Ruth's Chris, and you can order anything you want. And he is so grateful. He sits down, and he orders a 24-ounce New York strip sirloin, a loaded baked potato, a Caesar salad, apple pie on the side, a la mode, and... And, and they bring out that sizzling plate with the 24-ounce steak. He looks at it. He takes his knife. He cuts into the meat. He sticks his fork in the meat. He brings it to his mouth, but his hand freezes. Just freezes. You say, what's wrong? Is there something wrong with the steak? No, nothing wrong with it. Well, why aren't you putting it into your mouth? Oh, that would take too much effort. Now, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But ladies and gentlemen, it is no more ridiculous than allowing laziness to destroy your dreams. To say, oh, I know what I should do, but that would just take too much effort. We all have a little bit of the sluggard in every one of us. If you don't believe that, let me just ask you a question today. How many of you would say, you know what? I can think of one thing I could start doing right now as a pastor that would make me more effective as a communicator of God's Word. I know something I could do that would make me a better preacher. How many of you would say, there's something I could do? 
Oh, come on, you all know exactly. If you don't, you ought to get out of the ministry right now. Of course you do. How many of you would say, who are married, you know, I know of something I could do that would deepen my relationship with my mate. It would give me a better relationship with my mate if I started doing it. Honestly, we all could. How many of you would say, there's something I know I could start doing or stop doing right now that would improve my relationship with God vastly? Okay, here's the question. Why aren't you doing it? If you know there is something that could make you a better preacher, something that could improve your most important human relationship, that with your mate, if there is something that could improve your relationship with your eternal God, why aren't we doing it? You know what we say? Oh, that would take too much work. That would take too much effort. I can't do that. Could I give you some great news today? This is going to be the most liberating truth you hear all day. You are not going to die from hard work. Did you know that? (laughs) There's no amount of effort you're going to expend that is going to kill you. You're not going to die from hard work. A.L. Williams was an insurance mogul. He wrote a book years ago. It has the best title of a book I've ever seen before. The title of his book is, All You Can Do Is All You Can Do. I love that title. All you can do is all you can do. Before A.L. Williams started this insurance company, he was a high school coach, football coach in Dallas. And this is what he says about hard work. He said, I used to tell my football players that it was impossible to die from hard work. In the summer, we'd have football camp and practice three times a day. I'd say, now guys, you're going to get out there in that hot sun, and you're going to be working, and the coach is going to be fussing at you, and you're going to feel like you're going to die. But when you feel like you're going to die, just keep working. Because the good Lord put a little mechanism in your head up there that makes you pass out before you die. And if you do pass out, we'll drag you up to the dressing room, put you in the shower, give you some salt tablets, and you'll be ready for the next practice. (laughs) If you're going to be successful in ministry, expect to work hard. The good news is, hard work is not going to kill you. But laziness will destroy your dreams. Avoid the landmine of slothfulness. He who has slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys, the proverb says. What are the landmines of ministry? Silver, sloth. The third S stands for sex. Sex. Let's take a poll this afternoon. How many of you know someone or know of someone in ministry who had to give up that ministry because of immorality. Now keep your hands up. I want you to look around. We all do, don't we? Shouldn't that tell us something? What a potent, powerful landmine sex is. The book of Proverbs is filled with warnings against immorality. And Solomon was very honest, by the way, about sexual immorality. He said it is very pleasurable for a season. For a season. Proverbs 5 4 says, The lips of a lover are initially like honey, but in the end they become as bitter as wormwood. 
Somebody once said, if stolen waters weren't sweet, nobody would steal the water. The fact is, sexual immorality is pleasurable for a while. You know, I have found, and pastors, ministers I've known who have fallen into sexual immorality, people rarely begin a relationship with someone other than their mate thinking they're going to destroy their ministry or their marriage. That's not their goal at all. Most sexual relationships begin as innocent relationships that explode into something else. And you all know, as well as I do, the statistics. 80% of pastors who fall into sexual immorality do so in counseling relationships. 80%. You know, there may be some of you right now who are engaged in an emotional relationship with someone other than your mate. Dr. Dennis Rainey identifies seven common warning signs signs of an emotional relationship that easily leads to adultery. Listen to these. Number one, you've got a need you feel your mate isn't meeting for attention, approval, affection, and that other person begins meeting that need. Number two, you find it easier to unwind with someone other than your spouse by dissecting the day's difficulties over lunch, coffee, or during a ride home. Number three, you begin to talk with that person about problems you are having with your mate. Number four, you rationalize the relationship by saying that surely it must be God's will to be able to talk so openly and honestly with a fellow Christian. You become defensive about the relationship and protective of it. Number five, you look forward to being with that person more than with your own mate. Number six, you wonder what you would do if you didn't have this friend to talk with. And number seven, you hide the relationship from your mate. Some of you here this afternoon, you may be involved in a relationship that is moving dangerously close to immorality. Proverbs 6.32 warns, The one who commits adultery is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. A number of years ago, I came across these words of a pastor about the practical consequences of those who choose to engage in immorality. Listen carefully. You'll never forget these words. Number one, the total devastation it will bring to your children. Their growth, innocence, trust, and healthy outlook on life will be permanently damaged. The embarrassment of facing other Christians who once appreciated you, respected you, and trusted you will be overwhelming. If you are engaged in the Lord's work, you will suffer the immediate loss of your job and the support of those with whom you work. The dark shadow will accompany you everywhere and forever. Disillusionment and anger will spread rapidly among those to whom you once ministered. Your fall will give others license to do the same. Your mate will immediately be isolated by most of those who once stood near. Guilt, shame, and rejection he or she is sure to feel will accompany the anguish of loneliness. 
The inner peace you enjoyed will be gone forever. You will set in motion a generational chain reaction. You won't be able to stop it no matter how hard you try. The heartache you will cause to your parents, your family, your peers, your mentors, and your disciples will be indescribable. You will never be able to erase the fall from your or other people's minds. As Solomon wrote, your reproach will not be blotted out. This incident will remain indelibly etched on your life's record. The name of Jesus Christ, whom you once honored, will be tarnished, giving the enemies of the faith further reason to sneer and jeer. Your mate will feel betrayed and can never again say that you are a model of fidelity. Suspicions will rob him or her of trust. Your escapades will introduce to your life and your mate's life the very real probability of sexually transmitted disease. And then the pastor concludes, Solomon was right. The way of a transgressor is hard. Forgiveness may come. The affair may end. Restoration to fellowship may occur. But these consequences will never go away. We've talked about silver, sloth, sex. The final landmine is perhaps the most foundational, and that is self. Self. A focus on self is really the explanation for every one of these other landmines that destroy our lives in ministry. You know, Ladies and gentlemen, the most important decision I think we ever make about ministry or about life is what is the focus of our life in ministry? Is the focus us or is it God? What is our ministry really about? Is it about building our kingdom or building the kingdom of God? The biggest question you'll ever settle in your ministry is that question. Are you building your kingdom or are you building God's kingdom? It's one or the other. It can't be both. I um, had to grapple with that decision early, early in my ministry. And I'm not about to tell you that I'm finished wrestling with that decision. I wrestle with it every day of my life to try to figure out what my real motive is in doing what I'm doing. Is it about me or is it about God? But there was a signature moment that really reshaped my ministry. And I imagine every one of you would have a similar story as well. A defining moment in your life that forever shaped your ministry. I had uh, just gone to my first church to pastor. I'd been serving as youth minister in a large church, my church, First Baptist Dallas. But I knew God had called me to be a pastor. So... I went to Amy and I packed up and we went to West Texas to our small first church. It was a county seat town about 100 miles west of Dallas. And um, we went there and we were so excited about going to our first church. I mean, this is what we had been praying for and looking forward to. And we went there and uh, immediately we ran into a buzz saw of about four deacons in that church. 
who had been running things in that church for 50 years, and they had every intention to continue running things in that church. And even though I was 29 years old at the time, they quickly realized things may not remain the same. And so they started working and churning to do everything they could to disrupt my ministry and to get rid of me. And uh, we had not been there but about a couple of months when my mom, who was 54 at the time, was diagnosed with colon cancer and told she had four months to live. And so uh, I would go back on Saturdays to Dallas to visit with her in the final days of her life. And I'll never forget, her funeral was on a Friday, a few months later. Friday, we buried her. On Sunday afternoon, that group of four deacons came into my office, my little bitty office, and they said, Pastor, uh, we knew we couldn't get rid of you while your mother was dying because there was too much sympathy for you. But now that she's dead, we want you to know we're getting rid of you. And so they made good on their threat. They started working and turning up the heat, causing dissension in the church. I remember one Wednesday night, we were going to have our monthly business meeting. And um, I just had a sense something was getting ready to happen. We lived in the parsonage next door to the church. And I'll never forget kneeling by my chair in my study in our parsonage and saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but I'm giving my ministry now and forever to you. And whatever you want to happen is fine with me, but I'm tired of carrying this by myself. I'm giving my ministry to you. If you want me to leave, I'll leave. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. But if you want me to stay, I need a sign, and I need it tonight. <laughs> now, I know after four years at Dallas Seminary, you're not supposed to pray that way. But folks, that's the best I could come up with at that time. But I want to tell you, when I got up off of my knees, I felt like the weight of the world was off my shoulder because I had given my ministry to God. And so I walked freely across the little alley into our fellowship hall where we would have our business meeting. Now, normally on a Wednesday night, we might have 50 people show up at the business meeting. They had other things going on, choir practice and all this. So about 50 people. When I walked into that fellowship hall, there were about 300 people there, lined up wall to wall. And I knew something was up. So I stood up at the podium, went through the business meeting, and I finally got to the end of the meeting. I said, is there any other business? About that moment, the lead deacon stood up. He pulled out of his coat pocket a sheaf of papers, and he said, whereas the pastor has committed these transgressions, and boy, I didn't know what I was about to be accused of, you know, theft, sex, murder, I didn't know what they were about to accuse. So he started to read the list of offenses I had committed. They were just some of the most penny-any things you could possibly imagine. But he went through the list. He said, therefore, I move we vacate the office of pastor tonight. And they had it all rigged up. Another deacon stood up. That's right. We're tired of living under this dictator. It's time to get rid of him. And so another one stood up. And then the fourth one stood up. 
And finally, when they had finished, I said, fine, does anybody else have anything they want to say? Everybody had their head bowed. At the back of the fellowship hall, right at the back, there was an older woman. She was our librarian, Ms. Osborne. She was a tough old woman. (laughs) And she just started walking right down toward the center aisle, walking right down toward me. And she stood right in front of me. I didn't know if she was going to punch me or what she was going (laughs) to do. I said, Ms. Osborne, do you have something you want to say? She said, no. I just want to stand by my pastor. And she stood right here by me. Then somebody else stood up, and they walked down and stood on this side. And one by one, the people, without saying anything, just stood up and started coming and standing until the whole place was filled up. And finally, when there wasn't any other room, a man stood up, older man in our church. He said, I don't know what this is all about, but I know I go down to the coffee shop every morning, the drugstore, and have coffee, and I hear men talking about They've been one to Christ since Brother Robert came. I'm going to stand with him. Another woman, Ms. Rhodes, spoke up and she said, You know, I've been in this church 40 years. We've run off every preacher we've ever had. <laughs> said, but we're not going to run this one off. And one by one, the people stood up to give a word of testimony. After about 45 minutes, the man who made the motion to fire me stood up and he said, I never realized how out of step I was with the thinking of this church. You'll never hear another word from me again. And within about three weeks, those four deacons and their families left the church. And once they were gone, the church exploded in growth and baptisms and people coming to Christ. Now, let me tell you. Let me tell you what I learned from that experience that changed my ministry. Number one, if I had left early, if I had resigned, I would have missed the miracle that God wanted to perform in our church. You know, about that time, and I told Charles Stanley this recently, I said during that time, I was listening to a tape, a little cassette tape by Dr. Stanley, and he told about a similar experience he had at First Baptist Atlanta when he had just come as pastor. And he, they were pressuring him to resign, and he said, you know, if you fire me, you have to answer to God for that. But if I resign, I have to answer to God for leaving my post. I'd rather you answer to God than me answer to God. And you know what? That gave me the boldness to say, no, I'm not leaving early. I don't want to miss what God may do, but whether he does something or not, I'm not going to leave my post. Somebody can kick me out if they want to, but I'm not leaving the post. But the second thing I learned is when you give your ministry to God, when you give it all to him, you really can relax and being at peace and knowing it all depends on him. And that's why I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, the most important decision you make in your ministry is this. Is it about you or is it about God? Is it about building your kingdom or is it about building the kingdom of God? It's one or the other. It can't be both. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, I thank you for these men and women here today. I know Many of them minister in uh, 
great difficulty. It's getting more difficult in these last days to stand for God than ever before. But Father, we're not here to have a pity party for ourselves. We're here to say thank you. Thank you for saving us when we didn't deserve to be saved. But thank you also for those of us in this room of selecting us to be a part of the most important work of all, preaching and teaching the eternal word of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for any here today who may be in danger of losing their ministry because of some of these landmines, that today you would use the word you have spoken to cause them to run as far as they can from any of those traps the enemy has put in their way. But Father, I pray for also those here today who may be discouraged. Maybe they've been on the verge of giving up. Father, I pray that they would have a renewed courage to stay exactly where they are until you have worked out your purpose in their lives. Guard their lives, guard their family as they serve you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you all so much for the privilege of being with you today. Thank you. That's just spot on. Do you like that? Was that man? Wow. I love the outline. That was just excellent. Excellent. Whew. Challenging. Right? The last one, man. The self. Wow, that's just like, whoa. That's really good. Okay, awesome. We're going to have Pastor Tony come up. He is going to close us out in prayer. And I'm going to say two things. One, love you. God bless you. That's really one thing. And then two, when you're driving and somebody cuts you off, instead of getting mad, pray for them, not against them. There's a thought. Come on up. I don't know, David. That last one convicted me right there. So, <laughs> hey, you know, we want to say thank you very much for coming here to City View. Hopefully we hosted you well. Feel free to stick around for a few minutes. Check out the booths outside. Just fellowship a little bit longer. We love having you on our campus, so thank you so much for coming here. And once again, let's give KPRZ just a, a round of applause. Thank you so much. And uh, pastors, know that if there's anything we here at City View can do for you, let us know. We love you, and we are honored to partner with you to reach this city and this county for Christ. So thank you so much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible day that you've given to us. Thank you for the word that we received today. Thank you for the encouragement. Lord, thank you for the time of refreshing. Lord, it's just good to be together. Uh, and uh, today, Father, we ask that you would help us to leave here, Lord, changed because we've been in your presence. Lord, may we continue, Lord, to lead effectively for you. Father, we thank you. Uh, again, for this day that you have given to us, the opportunity that we have had to be together. Lord, bless this day. Continue, Lord, to use your servants, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. 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 God bless you.